The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the ESPN College Game Day podcast for Wednesday, October the 4th, 2023. I am Ryan McGee, and I am joined by my colleagues, Pete Thamel. Pete, how you doing? Ryan, I'm well. I'm well. Um, we have a uh, we have a podcast rule here, which yeah. is sort of an eternal podcast rule that we make fun of all the people when they don't appear on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, in their schedule, yeah. in their scheduled turns. Yes, but honestly, if you watch the end of the Notre Dame Duke game and you heard <laughs> Reese Davis's voice, yeah. <laughs> you sh- we will not make fun of. There's plenty to make fun of Reese Davis for. I'll be clear about that. But I just don't think this is like you know, it's, it's you, you can't make fun of the guy. He's he's, he's on the DL. Yeah. Like, well, uh, and also joining us, Bill Conley. Bill, I have no problem making fun of Reese. I don't care. Uh, okay. I don't, ahead, I don't, yeah, you you yeah, you and I don't have to see him every weekend. So we can. <laughs> this is why I never say no to a podcast invitation. <laughs> I don't want to be made fun of. <laughs> well, also, and I just want to get to this right off the bat before we get into to other stuff. Uh, but, you know, Best in Game is brought to you by Old Dominion Freightline, helping the world keep promises. And uh, Bill Conley, is, are the Missouri Tigers best in game? They're undefeated, son. <laughs> um, they're probably going to be a best bet in my Friday column, which I hate doing <laughs> anything Missouri-related one way or the other in that column. But uh, – when SP Plus is is swearing this is a toss up game and the line says LSU by six and a half, I'm I'm probably going to put that in as a uh, as a best bet. But I'm sure my numbers are biased too, and so you know you got to take that into account. Yeah, of course. So will people give you dirty looks in the stands if it's fourteen nothing LSU in the first seven <laughs> minutes? Like, does, well, I mean, are you well known enough in Missouri circles where they're going to be like, Connolly, your numbers lie. Well, luckily, they're always going to be madder at Eli Drinkwitz in that case. <laughs> okay, and so <laughs> you know that's uh, I'm, he even it. if even if they do recognize me, and I th- you know I don't think many do. It's kind of a nice life, really. Um, but I, even if they do, they're always going to be madder at the team and the coach. So we're good. So we had Drinkwitz on Marty and McGee last Saturday morning, and we were in mm-hmm. Kentucky, and, and he was in the hotel, and I made him so mad. Because I, 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 all I did was, you guys know, when, when you're doing the shows, they just hand you cards with statistics on them. And like, hey, there's some useful information you might like about Missouri. And I go, hey, coach. I go, man, you got it rolling. Team's undefeated. I go, quarterback hasn't thrown an interception. And I can't remember what the number was, but it was ridiculous. <laughs> and he literally almost got up and walked off. And, and you know, he's, he's, he's Coach Drink, so he hung out and he did the rest of the interview. But... You know, I, I literally sat there the rest of the show waiting on the text. Like, what are you doing? He said, and he said on our show, he goes, "You don't talk about a no-no when it's going on, man." And uh, almost, almost ripped his headphones out and walked away, but he didn't. So I appreciate. <laughs> but he that. did not throw an interception, correct? Because he, he did not. He has a pretty lengthy streak, right? He, like it's yeah. Yeah, I think he's it's SEC record now, and and now that everybody is talking about it, yeah, now it's definitely it's one of those things. I mean, odds say he's going to throw a pick at some point anyway. So now when it happens, we'll be like, see, it's because we were talking about it. Yeah. But yes. it's you know we'll see if it happens on. I don't know if LSU has defensive backs right now, um, <laughs> and so we'll see we'll Fair we'll point. see how this game plays out. But yeah, at some point he will throw a pick, and it will be because of a jinx. Yeah, well, and it won't be because of the hashtag McGee curse. So in the NASCAR world. <laughs> Drivers literally would tell me stop tweeting about how well I'm running because I, for example, yesterday I had I had breakfast with Ross Chastain and I texted him, hey, we're gonna get together, yeah, it was great. I'm working on a story for this week, and I texted him on uh, Saturday, hey, appreciate the time, see you Tuesday, go get him tomorrow, and he finished last, like dead last. <laughs> so 
So, so the McGee curse, hashtag McGee curse does exist on some level, but it does not exist apparently uh, when it comes to Missouri quarterbacks. All right, so Pete, I'm not going to give you a hard time about the fact that you missed uh, the podcast on Monday because you did and Reese did as well. And so uh, Marty McGee took over. Uh, we did the first half of the show together. And a question I asked Marty that I'm going to ask both of you because I've asked everyone this week, which is we have so many undefeated teams. Um, you know, Georgia cannot get out of a first half to save their lives until Brock Bowers bails them out, you know, in the fourth quarter. Um, uh, Pete, I'll start with you. Who's the number one team in the country? A great, a great question. Uh, year 20 for me covering national colleges, by far and away the most wide open in terms of the number of people you could argue at the dawn of October who could win the national title. So who is... So there's, I guess there's two ways to divvy that up because why would I actually answer it if I could, uh, if I could, if I could non-answer it? I guess do we? And, and I listened to, I listened to you guys on the on the pod uh, yesterday. Um, Thank you. Do you do you do it by accomplishment or do you do it by potential? And those are two, you know, those are two very, you know, very different roads. Just because some teams, Michigan, for example, really haven't played anybody, so they sure look good. And the NFL scouts go through and think they have double-digit draft picks, and they have a good quarterback and elite offensive line and a really stingy defense. But until you're, can you can you coronate someone a contender before they've played someone? I guess is the uh, I guess is the question. So I don't know, and I, that's I can I can put that hypothetical out and then maybe answer your question from there. Yeah, well, and, and to the point about Georgia. They haven't really played anyone. Sure. No offense to Auburn. Um, yeah. They haven't really played anyone, and they also haven't looked good. But they continue, Bill, to be number one, um, although it, that has certainly softened. But uh, th- this all stems from I got back from Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, I watched uh, the college football scoreboard show, and this was a debate that was taking place uh, between Joey Galloway and Dan Mullen. And Joey Galloway immediately was like Georgia because they, they're the two-time defending national champions, and you know they haven't lost – and Dan Mullen was like, okay, so you're rewarding them for what they've done before. You know, he said, I'm going to reward someone for what they've done now. And he started talking about Texas. And so, Conley, where are you on this? Uh, I'm, I'm in Michigan myself. Um, no, I, you know, one of the things you learn when you're, when you're trying to operate a pretty good predictive system is that priors do matter. Like, we, we like to think that every year is a blank slate. And uh, as, you know, we – that this is the case every single year somebody you know with a, a fan of an upstart will start yelling at you for overrating whoever at the top because they ain't played nobody yet or whatever and that's fine um but Michigan's won two straight big 10 titles and has made the playoff two straight years and has also even when you account for opponent their first in in SP plus their first if you take out all preseason projections and only look at this year um the reason they're, they're like one three and one against the spread or something like that but that's mainly because they don't play the fourth quarter um which is a lot better approach by the way than not playing the first quarter like Georgia um you know that's you still you save yourself some pain if you save the 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 the, the bad 15 minutes for the end but what they've done against the schedule they faced is still as good as anything anybody else would do against that schedule, uh, aside from blowing the the spread in the fourth quarter. So, 
Um, I, 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 they've passed every test that I think uh, you could ask of them with this ho- horrible schedule they have. And they're still not going to play anybody till like week 11 um, in terms of like top 30 level teams. So they're just going to keep cruising along like this. Probably they'll probably fall asleep at some point and, and, you know, have a, have a, a tricky game, a trickier than expected game against somebody, but happy this weekend, Bill. Um, <laughs> probably not um i like building up hope for for upsets and whatnot but i i I have not seen a single thing from minnesota's offense that suggests that you know if michigan gets to 14 or 17 points the game's not over uh because that's the other thing michigan has going for them is is if this isn't the best defense in the country it's really really close they are extremely unforgiving even if they go into super conservative mode on offense so no, I think of of Michigan and Ohio State, the top two Big Ten teams. I think Ohio State's pretty vulnerable this weekend. You know, maybe, but I don't think Michigan's very vulnerable. I think this is a team that they they dominate and win like twenty to six or something like that. Yeah, and and maybe I'm guilty of um, the reverse of what you know Joe Galloway was accused of doing on Saturday night, which I didn't think was fair, by the way, um, about rewarding Georgia because of what they've done. Because to your point, Bill, if that matters then I think I'm guilty of, when it comes to Michigan, I've not really watched them much this year because I haven't had a reason to, number one, because the schedule <laughs> right. is bad, and number two, they're usually, I'm usually playing when they're playing. But also, I think that it's not fair, but I think, same with Texas. I think I, I touched on this with Marty on Monday. I penalized Texas because how many times have we bought into the, their back thing and it hasn't worked <laughs> out, right? And, and with Michigan, you know, I think that I still penalized them for the fact that they couldn't, beat Michigan State or Ohio State or, or get to Indianapolis all those years, and now they've done it a couple years in a row, and I'm still holding it against them. So there's still – I think I think I have that that history bias built in a little bit too, but I don't I don't know the answer. I really don't. And, I, you know, I saw Kentucky in person last weekend. I'll see Kentucky and Georgia this weekend. Um, you know, uh, Pete, you're going to be in Dallas. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I, the more that we go along, uh, Alabama's lost to Texas – doesn't look that bad because Texas continues to look great. But to that point, all right, when we go to Dallas and you have your deep fried Twinkie in one hand and your deep fried, you know, ding dong or whatever in the other, what what's what, what do you think you we're going to see on Saturday? Report, yeah, you? yeah. What do you think we're going to see on Saturday? Yeah. So I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to say Washington right now. Yeah. Just to be a little bit. Yeah. Different. Okay. I yeah. really feel like now again, did they blow Arizona off the field? No, but I think we've seen enough. They were also pretty banged up yep. in that in that game. But I think. They have the combination of results on the field. Um, They have great personnel, elite leader, um, a schedule where they're going to be able to prove it. So right now, I uh, I I would say them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I often hijack the pod. I usually declare when I'm going to do it. Um, yeah. And I know Ryan probably had copious notes and spent his whole morning with like a cup of coffee, no. r- digging in the notebook. But I do think I have an interesting Have you met thought. me? Because that's not really my deal, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I'm, I'm Joey, but I, I think I have, a, I have an interesting notion that I've, I've sort of pondered this week that I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. I'd love to see what if Bill had a way to statistically quantify this, which I don't think he does, and I would just like to think what how dare uh, you what you guys both <laughs> want to hear. So, in the tenth year of this college football playoff, I would argue that on October whatever, early October, there has never been. A league that we haven't declared out. Now, leagues have gotten back in when we've declared them out after the <laughs> opening weekend or whatever. But we have never had five energized, buzzing conferences storming towards a controversial finish. Bill is actually doing the numbers in his head. He's That's like, right. 2013, actually. But all I'm saying is, I my prediction, which you can feel free to ignore, is that this will be the most controversial iteration of the college football playoff that we've seen. Of course it will. Right? I, yeah, of course it will. And I, I want to know from you guys who gets left out. If you have to leave out a league right now, so if I'm going to give you five teams, I'll give you Michigan because we talked about them, Florida State because they've earned it, Georgia because they're the two-time champs, Texas because they won in Tuscaloosa, and Washington out west, and we'll know more in, in two weeks. Um, Washington, Oregon, I think, could give some clarity there. But I give you those five teams and the, the leagues they represent. Who do you leave out right now? Well, luckily, um, they're not all going to go 13-0 and because that never happens. Yes, they um, are, Bill. <laughs> just, that's my quantification of the situation right now is that that's, they're not all going to be 13-0. and um, But, I mean, of that situation, it is fun. Like, Georgia's not getting left out, but it it really might be Georgia uh, with the way they – if everybody plays exactly like they have to date um, moving forward, Georgia would have been the least impressive of those five teams. Um, Now, again, it's always – we always complain about the committee and all the decisions they make and blah, blah, blah. And in the end, they basically have one decision. That's like anything close to a toss-up. Everything else kind of makes itself – um, but yeah, it is. Well, and, and I, I can't guarantee it's happened tw- since 2014, but you want to think about controversy and every um, conference being engaged. That one had Ohio State storming back after the early loss. Uh, it had Alabama, obviously. It had Oregon getting in easily. It had Florida State looking like crap every week, but winning every week. Pull, pull into Georgia, kind of. I mean, that's that's I've seen people on Twitter mention that. that like That's been Georgia's putting off serious 2014 FSU vibes so far. Um and and then you had, of course, the two one loss, one true champions of the Big Twelve uh, in yep. in Baylor and TCU. That was the one. Yeah, that that, that, yeah. that was the one that first immediately popped in mind was was that was that, and that was yeah. that was. Since then, I don't know if it's if we've yeah. come anywhere close to this, but right. and that was it, controversial, Bill. I'm sorry, that, oh, that yeah. was the most controversial oh, yeah. of these easily. But was that like you know the committee had needs security on his you know on his front porch? controversy you know what i mean like if you left lsu out on a data <laughs> point like there would be you know they would you know they they would storm the gates right so i'm just saying is right now all those league champions some will have one loss for certain right but all those league champions look and feel worthy so i just feel like the build-up to it to me is going to be fascinating um you know once we get through everything and look like there's gonna be some cannibal cannibalization but just because you get cannibalized in a, in a really good Pac-12 that I think we would all say has been the best league in the country so far, like, does that mean that you shouldn't get in? You know, like, I, I don't know. It's it's a, it it just, there's there's a bunch of different levers here to me that are really interesting that, that, I'm, that I'm fascinated with. And I do think, like, you know, Florida State has that great neutral site win that might not look great at the end of the year, right? Uh, but they did curb stomp LSU in a neutral site, right? Um, does that, you know, if they get, 
if they step on a rake, as Reese likes to say, in the ACC title game against Carolina or whatever, like, do they all of a sudden get left? I don't know. No, they're, that's it. That my my answer was going to be that. I think Florida okay. State's the most vulnerable. The ACC is yeah. the most vulnerable because they, as I sit here in Charlotte, I mean, it, this is what they do. And Clemson already has two losses. And and so Clemson, the, the two X factors are you got Clemson already has two losses and, and, and two losses in the conference, but they are getting it together. And obviously, you know, um, you maybe should have beaten Florida State. They have a chance to knock other teams off. Florida State, um, they've got Duke, they've got Miami. They have to go to the swamp. They, you know, let's say they face North Carolina, who very quietly is four and zero. And and we all had you know as a top twenty preseason top twenty five team and kind of went off the radar. But but the ACC looks the most vulnerable to me, and it would be the most ACC thing ever. But and, and plus two, <laughs> and, and, and of all the teams, and if I'm being honest, but all the teams I looked at, Florida State is the one that I'm not buying into yet. And 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 I, and Bill, I keep catching flack because we do our four picks every week for ESPN.com, and I don't have Florida State in there because I don't. They look very very vulnerable to me. They really do, and, 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 and I think everybody's excited about the potential of them being back. But and oh, by the way, Notre Dame is rolling around the ACC like a wrecking ball. And you know they they just they just they just torpedoed Duke's year, and so they have the potential to with this winning streak they have against the ACC to not win the conference but ruin it for everyone else. And, and so right, I, so so to me, I think Florida State, the ACC is the most vulnerable at this point. Plus, I would never say yeah. the SEC because I like my job. <laughs> yeah, I think um, with George, when I said Georgia, it was kind of a combination of resume and uh, performance. If we're looking at just performance at this point, it's Florida State's fallen from eighth to eighteenth in SP plus the last like three weeks. Um, they're winning, and yep. and in the end, that's all that matters. Uh, but if that LSU, you're right. If that LSU and Clemson uh, du- dual uh, win, there doesn't actually look amazing on the resume. Uh, and they're limping by teams. I, I cannot tell you how unimpressive it is to beat Boston College by two, basically. Um, that, that dropped them a lot, even though they were banged up. Um, and if they keep playing like that, hey, they're not going to go 12-0 and or 13-0. and They have to start playing better. Um, but yeah, be in, in this scenario where everybody's 13-0, and it could be that they just look less impressive than the others by the time we get to the end of the year. Do your numbers give Kentucky a better chance than Vegas at 14 and a half? Uh, let's see. Right now, SP Plus with Kentucky, uh, it, Georgia is at, yeah, 11.7. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's a lot of points for a Georgia team that doesn't score a lot of points. And and, and the tempo in this game is going to be like a play a minute, basically. So Yeah, that's a great point. That's uh, a great point. So it'll be hard for Georgia. To, we've, seen that, we've seen this Georgia-Kentucky game before in that sense where it just took forever for Georgia to actually pull away, even though they weren't really being threatened all that much. Um and and yeah, they're they're a team that starts slowly, doesn't make big plays, so it takes them a while to catch up if they start slowly. Um, and Kentucky's in a really funny spot right now because we still picture big, burly, physical Kentucky. All they do is either make a one yard gain or a seventy yard gain. They're 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 one of the more all or nothing teams in the country this year, and they're gonna play. They're gonna finish the regular season playing against the most all or nothing team in the country, Louisville. Very much looking forward to that one already. Um, but they do if if they can rip off a couple of big runs um, and just create a few easy points for themselves. Um, it, it'll be a super interesting game. I, I still like this is Georgia. We've been conditioned, so I assume at any moment 
real Georgia shows up and, and starts uh, firing. But they, they, they're going to have to show up. Uh, like Florida State, they're going to have to, if they keep performing at this level, they're not going to go unbeaten. So our whole, our whole hypothetical ends up moot. It's interesting with, with, with Kentucky, though, because Stoops is one of those guys, and, and, and we all know him, you're going to know immediately if he's telling you the truth or not. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and, I, and I think about, you know, that magical year they had, what, three years ago, and at SEC Media Days, he looked us right in the eye and went, no, no, we're, we're really good. And they were really good. And, you and you know, and, and it wasn't just your typical blow sunshine. He did the exact same thing in July in Nashville where it was on the record and off the record. Like, listen, I'm telling you, we have the potential to be a special football team. And what I saw – on Saturday afternoon and, and what I'll maybe see on Saturday night, you know, is that because it just looks like a Stoops football team. It does. They're, they, they, it's funny, they don't play big and burly. Those dudes are big off the bus. They're, they're really they big. They are big <laughs> off the bus. I mean, where our stage was set up in Lexington, they walk right behind us to get from the you – know, they dress in the football building because it's right next to the stadium. And they're walking behind us. And literally, right out loud, I was like, these dudes are big. Like, you could just y- – y'all know, <laughs> y'all know the eye test on the teams. You know as soon as they get off the bus if they're big or not. And those dudes are big. And so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not saying Kentucky can win the game, but I'm saying that Kentucky can win, can win the game. You know, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see. Did, didn't their O-line really struggle last year? Yes. Didn't they give up some of the most yes. sacks in the country? Yeah. Yep. And I thought, listening to the pod on Monday, I, you or Marty quoted Napier saying, like, they got beat up. Yep. Like, as bad as yep. they had gotten beat up. Yep. So, to me, in my mind, I was like, okay, there's been a sea change there, something. Well, I, I probably know the assistant strength coach who deserves credit for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but there, you know, it, it, it does seem as if something happened in the trenches there where they are they are playing to their size and they are f- forcing their will. Again, I guess a Florida team that is flawed, but I think Florida's defensive line. Um, They've been good. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah they, they, you know, and they are big too. Like they are, they are, they have, <laughs> they have the 420 pound monster everybody talks about, but then they get the transfer from Memphis, transfer from Louisville. Like they've got like, you know, real SEC sized men in depth there. So yeah. to, I didn't catch a lot of that game just because of the schedules and everything happened, but just to hear it, it, look, Napier's whole coaching ethos is about beating their team up. Yep. Like yep. that's what it is based around. Louisiana just had better players, bigger players, and just leaned on you and he won by a field goal every time, right? <laughs> and that's what he's essentially trying to build. Graham Mertz has been very efficient and then they're just trying to lean and win. And so to get pushback like that, I thought that was a pretty high compliment to Kentucky. Yeah, and I think they will. You know, I, it's interesting, you know, not I just keep going back to that game. I, I was there, so I keep talking about it. But but we, we always give Kentucky credit for giving Stoops the time that he needed to build what he needed to build. And now all they do is win at least nine games a year and play on New Year's Day. They do it every year. The bartender at where we had dinner Saturday night or Friday night looks at me and Marty and he goes, I tell you, man, we're getting impatient around here. I go, are you getting impatient in Lexington? Because in what – With John Calipari maybe. Yeah, in what universe did we grow up in where winning nine games and going to a ball game every year wasn't enough for Kentucky football fans? But 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 I see the same thing in Gainesville, and I hope – um, because I, we, we, we like Billy. I like the way he does things. He's boring, but, but he would say methodical. I wrote a story about it this year. Um, but, but I hope that they give him the time to, to do what he needs to do to build what he's trying to build because, yeah, it's boring, but it, and it takes patience, and none of us have patience. But I think they have the potential to, to get it together down there. 
Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I have a, a term I called Glenn Mason territory that I, yeah. that I used, especially when I was first writing, where basically you raise the bar at a school, but then you don't raise it further and people eventually get mad at you for not clearing the bar that you set. Um, he wasn't if, good if, if Kentucky fans really do get impatient with Mark Stoops, that it'll have to be called Mark Stoops territory from that <laughs> point forward. Because that'd be they're basically. I'm looking at their the last five years SP plus their their average ranking is 22.8, um, and and they basically finished between 18th and 23rd three out of those five years. Like that, that's good living. And and obviously once you get used to that, you want more, but. That's always going to be good living, especially at Kentucky. Yeah, and I, SP Plus did not exist when I was in college that I know of, Connolly, but uh, it would not have been that high back in the day when, when, no. when I was in Tennessee no. and we are in the middle of like a 30-year winning streak against, against Kentucky. Right. There would have been an eight in front of the three. Yeah, probably. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but, all right, so I, I touched on a second ago before you hijacked the pod there, Pete. You're going, you're going to Dallas. Yes. Um, te- Texas fascinates me. Oklahoma, I think – and again, we talked about this on Monday. There's kind of that second group, maybe even the third group mm-hmm. of undefeated yep. teams. And there sits Oklahoma very quietly mm-hmm. at the top of that heap, you know, with the quarterback who's been playing college football since I was in college in the 90s. Um, <laughs> yes. But, 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 but what, what do you think we will see, um, you know, at noon where you guys will be on Saturday? A, a great question. Bill, have you ever been to this game? I somehow have not, no. Okay. The only Cotton Bowl I went to was the actual bowl. Okay, Ryan, have you been to this game? Yeah, it's um okay. There, there's no other game like it. Correct. Yep. It is. It, it is my it, favorite yep. game to attend, if only because and there's great rivalries, right? I'm not saying it's a better rivalry than Auburn, Alabama, or Michigan, or whatever. But as a singular event and game, is my favorite to go to because everything about it is completely bananas. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it is in an actual carnival. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, first of all, there are zero games played every year that are in an actual carnival. Uh, stadium split in half. The energy is authentic. Um, you know, like most rivalry games, that you know, walking out of that stadium. Well, first of all, just the buzz. Teams go on. It's electric. You know, going out of the stadium, the the fans on each side are going to be talking junk to each other about the result for the next 364 years. Like it really matters. Like it feels like it viscerally matters. But I bring up the setting only to say that. Every one of those games I've gone to has been completely bananas. Yeah. That, like, nothing has, like, there's huge special teams play. You think about the, was it the Roy Williams League? Like, they're just, it, it, it defies prediction. It defies common sense. There's been big point spread upsets. Um, there's just a lot that, you know, that can happen. So, me coming on here and saying, well, I think it's going to play out this way. <laughs> All I know is, like, there will be some weird monster like type situation and i am confident it will not be 48 nothing or whatever it was last year like that was you know i mean oklahoma's quarterback you felt bad right yeah. because gabriel was hurt in that game and that was it was like cringy to uh it was cringy to watch um I'm in the midst of one of those where I call a bunch of people who played Oklahoma. And, you know, to see, like, I, I think much in the vein of, like, that tier you, you guys were talking about in the pod on Monday, Ryan, of, like, what do we know about them? Oklahoma, there's still a pretty good aura of mystery. There's been flashes, Butch Jones will see them in his nightmares, of wow. And then there's been some middling play, perhaps. Um, you know, when I think about that, that Cincinnati game. So I would say this, when I'm watching... The key to the game to me is going to be the referee. <laughs> if the referee is moving and sprinting to the ball and Oklahoma is playing at a breakneck tempo, like the opposing coaches I've talked to about why this Oklahoma team's better, they just say the tempo is pressed to an absolute level of like, 
you know, RG3 at Baylor tempo. So if the ref is sprinting to the hash, dropping the ball, and they're moving, 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 they're going to stay in the game. Um, Defensively, they are better, but they are still modest. Um, They don't have a ton of NFL talent. The linebackers are the weakness, and I would think that Texas could exploit that. Although JT Sanders doesn't play, he's got an ankle. That would be something to watch. If uh, for those who listen for investment advice, I would, uh, I would just, I would be, I would be curious about, uh, I'd be curious about that. I. I am not a huge believer in Oklahoma's defense, but I do know that they're better. A couple coaches told me they simplified some schemes, streamlined some things. They, you know, were prone to huge busts last year. It was very unventables. It's starting to feel more venables. So I think Texas is going to win, um, but I'm not ruling out that something bananas could happen. Um, From the moment they walked off the field in Tuscaloosa, Texas's toughest opponent this year was human nature. And we saw a little sleepwalky against uh, Kansas and a backup quarterback last week. Like, they are vulnerable to bouts of human nature. And if this game does end up being one of these bananas games, um, it is not because Oklahoma has gotten past them in talent. Oklahoma right now is a middle-of-the-road SEC team on the lines, offensive and defensive, in terms of talent. Like, they need—Tempo is their gimmick to overcome their— pedestrian talent they're not bad but like they're they're more South Carolina than they are uh Tennessee uh, in terms of talent the numbers love Oklahoma this year yeah um not not compare not like more than Texas necessarily but just like more than the humans do um they were up to ninth or they're up to ninth right now in in SP plus they were a little higher than that I think a couple of weeks ago they're second in FPI and so things like that kind of like you're right their line play is not what it was what it has been especially I mean I guess we're used to them not playing all that great on the defensive line but they usually have a great offensive line sure. and it's definitely not up to those standards but it, it is definitely this is a far more sound team and I love the fact that the last two weeks they won a track meet and then they won a rock fight um in, against Cincinnati and Iowa State uh it was well it was only a track meet for a minute I guess Iowa State had like three good drives and it was close for a second and then they pummeled them from there but I I like the flexibility I like what they're showing and this is really one of the most reliable rivalry games I was just looking at scores starting in 2014 the scores for this game have been 31 26 24 17 45 40 29 24 48 45 34 27 53 45 and 55 48 last year obviously yeah they oh you had one quarterback and he couldn't play and therefore it was a disaster but um this is and and somehow after that big long run, the twenty and twenty one games were the best of that stretch. Things just got crazier every single year. Uh, so hopefully we can resume that because that those two games, that twenty the overtime game in twenty twenty, and then just the wild Kennedy Brooks scores with three seconds left, fifty five forty eight game in twenty one. That's about as good a one two punch of rivalry games as you're ever gonna see. I was looking at the uh, at the menu over at the state fair (laughs) and and this is part of the problem is it's hard to play balanced football when you have just eaten a uh, a basket of deep fried cheesy crab tater bites well that's a lot of words right a lot of good words but i'm not sure about the order of those words oh oh excellent soul rolls and turkey ribs i don't know what the hell a turkey rib is i mean i know turkeys have ribs but are they big enough? To I've had an alligator rib. Big enough maybe. to eat, yeah. So it's anyhow. So so, but yeah. But that was that was the one that jumped out to me was was uh, deep. Well, there's deep fried pho, but there's a deep fried cheesy crab tater bites. 
and I don't know what kind of crabs they grow in the Red River, but um, <laughs> but, 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 but 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 it's hard it's hard to tackle. But 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 to your point, and Pete, you know, every week I, I pitch these essay ideas to game day and and cross my fingers and they do it. I appreciate it. But but the thing that strikes me about this game, and this is what I pitched, is the most unique. All you need to know about that game is the fact that the Cotton Bowl, which has seen better days, but but by cracky they 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 knock the dust off and play this game every year. Um, but but the old Cotton Bowl, the fact that it's evenly divided at the fifth yard line is the craziest yeah. thing to me. And I, and those people that sit there, shoulder to shoulder, the entire <laughs> game on both sides of the stadium on the fifth yard line, that's just you know I can't imagine the conversations that take place between them when it's forty eight forty five in the fourth quarter. And Baker Mayfield's driving again. I, you know, it's just that, 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 that to me, to me, it's the uniqueness of college football is why it's the greatest sport in the world. And there's nothing more unique than the person in the ticket office saying, "No, no, 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 you can't have that seat." I know your five family members are on this row, but you can't have that sixth seat because that's where the cutoff is. And that happens. That's crazy to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you on fried food because I have sources deep deep in the uh, Texas State Fair. <laughs> yeah. uh, believe it, folks uh, who listen to the pod and then uh, and then make it a point to watch game day on Saturday. We appreciate you all. There will be there will be a significant fried food. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. We we are not gonna we are not gonna like dip our toe into that. We are gonna we're gonna Pat McAfee backflip into the uh, into the fried food goodness uh, at the uh, at the State Fair. The one I saw yesterday, and I, I sent it to Jess Sims as a dare for her to eat, was uh, a deep-fried Fruity Pebble Shrimp Po'boy. Oh, my gosh. What? Okay, well, first of all, is the po'boy fried or is the shrimp fried? Oh, no, the whole po'boy. Okay. That's... So you make the sandwich, then fry it. And then I assume the encoutrement is the Fruity Pebbles. What will you... um? If you're cheating, what are you gonna what are you gonna eat? And not tell, yeah. and not not admit it later. <laughs> yeah, so I don't like. I'm not a big fried food person. This is probably a terrible thing on the podcast. So my old podcast at Yahoo, they played "Would You Eat It," and I was like the straight man. They were like, "Pete's definitely not eating that." Yeah. Um, I would eat acai bowls, which really aren't healthy, by the way. Um, they're filled with sugar. They're like sort of like a light <laughs> ice cream, basically. And um, yeah, I would get, I would just get dragged uh, for it. But no, I'm not an adventuresome eater. And believe it or not, my role on the show is so straight and boring, and they're worried. I need to worry about JT Sanders' ankle being sprained and how significant it's sprained <laughs> that I don't think I'm going to get dragged in those second. Now, Stanford Steve, yeah, who, who will join on the Friday pod, I've got a feeling old Stanford Steve might might end up, uh, you know, opening up his fridge and having some, uh, and you know, having some fried delights uh, pop out of it. But no, I, I will just straight admit I'm as. I'm as boring as you would probably think. I so am. you're not tempted, and, uh, like like if somebody walks up. No, to you, like that's the thing. Like fried food just doesn't doesn't do much. Like for just me. just, you know just I mean? to say, you know, all right, I had a deep fried Texas oatmeal pie, which is on the menu. <laughs> you wouldn't just take a bite and just go, okay, I had that. Well, I got. You know, I'm going to work for ten hours after the show, so I don't really know if that's just good business. And you mentioned how tired the Cotton Bowl is. Yeah, <laughs> I it's, just don't yeah. think I want to. Don't think I want to <laughs> test. I always worry about it because everybody eats all this stuff, and then they go sit in the grandstands, and that place has got some rust on it. I don't know if we need to be adding everybody adding an extra twenty pounds and then going in and sitting in the, on the on the beams and girders. Uh, of the of the cotton ball, yeah. but no, it's. Uh, did you did you try anything, Ryan, when you went there over the years? Yeah, no, I I, I tried the deep fried butter. 
um, just because I'm, oh, well, I just wanted to try it. Like, I, 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 keep in mind, I didn't eat a stick of deep fried butter. I had like we we cut it up in, in the sections anyway. But I, I'm a uh, any like cookie that's deep fried, like deep fried Oreos or deep fried mm. uh, you know chips Ahoy and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I had all that stuff, and it's you know okay. my Crestor bottle literally started vibrating. Like I could feel it. Like my, <laughs> like like I got a I got a text from my doctor. What are you doing right now? Like it like it, it was like it's like full alarm. You know. So, so we will let's do hey let's do talk business for a minute uh pete um as we started to log on to record this there were a couple of breaking stories really one from tuesday but but one from wednesday as we went on uh, tommy van Haren was writing about this shrinking window for athletes to enter the transfer portal the ncaa is trying to get the the egg unscrambled on nil this is all too little too late do we agree on that or can they or can they rein it in I think it's it's trying to winnow it to make it more workable. I think the thing from talking to Charlie Baker and the people at the NCAA, the thing that worries them most about the transfer portal is the people that go in and get lost. Right. Because there's a lot of players who go in and get lost. And I, I agree with that completely, right? Like, you know, some dude is a backup at, you know, a Mac school, thinks he can go get better. His high school coach is getting a call from this guy. All these guys have NIL guys who are trying to push him to move because you move, you move money. And I just think a lot of dudes like, that. you know, it's like musical chairs and things stop um, and they go. So I've just sort of embraced the professionalism as just a byproduct of where we are and what we do in the billion dollar contracts that fuel it all. And but I but at the same time I I don't want to be cavalier or callous towards the players a lot of whom don't have great guidance and don't really understand how cutthroat the system is so any changes any manipulations that that give them a, a better chance and to stay in school ultimately and have good experiences I'm for yeah the the, the portal aspect of things can absolutely be. Uh, not well, fixed, but made better. Uh, mm-hmm. No question yeah. about that. I mean, we've been trying to figure out recruiting calendar for a very long period of time now. And, you know, any fix or any tweak you make opens up three new things that you have to go fix too. And that's fine. Like, just keep trying to make it better and, and you will. Uh, NIL, yeah, the toothpaste is way out of the yeah. tube on that one. And I don't know how in the world you... Um, you get back to whatever it was supposed to be originally. I was I was um, joking with one of our editors yesterday about um, Luther Burden the third at Missouri has one of the one of the what was supposed to always be the NIL situations where like every Sunday he posts him a picture of himself with an emo's pizza and emo's wings and emo's this and emo's that wearing an emo's shirt. I mean it's besides the point that emos is terrible but so we won't go there but that that was that was what the vision of nil was always supposed to be uh and there's no getting back to that point um now that uh, you know people who have money have figured out exactly how it could work so um yeah that that one's not fixable but the portal it can absolutely just always try to make it a little better than it was before yeah and it's um i've always wanted to ask you this Colin. how much does the portal mess with you when you are trying to do formulas oh i mean spectacularly um (laughs) i mean and i think you know once i have a little data on how things are supposed to work then then we're good um and and for years my whole returning production approach worked pretty well when teams were at most getting like six transfers because i would just kind of basically plug your 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 production into your new team's returning production and you know it'd work out relatively well um but then now now six is like below well below average 
Um, and, and with USC and LSU last year, I knew, like I, I basically announced every single time I put out rankings in the off season, it was like, okay, just ignore these two teams. Cause they're, they're completely unprojectable. Now I kind of have a better approach, although LSU underachieving this year is kind of screwing me up a little bit. Um, but I feel like I can handle 20 and now with Colorado, we'll have to figure out how to handle 50. Um, and I, I'm, I, I'm actually kind of encouraged that Colorado has really only improved to two positions. Basically, I don't want 50 to be the precedent now, or right. the standard. Yeah. Uh, and so the fact that Colorado's basically only improved where they brought in guys we knew were awesome from the start, you know, maybe that kind of reins it in a little bit. But yeah, like every single time somebody forces the issue in a new way, I just basically declare them completely unprojectable and uh, wait until about halfway through the season. Halfway through the season, by the way, numbers really weren't that far off on Colorado. Um, but I knew they were still going to be underrated because they were so horrible last year and you just kind of had to wait for that to all play out. I'm going to hijack here again. Uh, I'm going to take it home with Bill. Uh, I have one question I want to ask Bill. If Ryan, you want to, uh, you want to scoot on to your other uh, to your other duties. I have a game that I am most intrigued by. Um, <laughs> that that I am uh, that I wanted to that I wanted to drill in on a little bit for the for the hardcores who who listen to this every week. I think the most interesting game on the slate is the UCLA Bruins favored by more than a field goal with Washington State coming to town. And we have decent empirical evidence on Washington State. Um, we know a decent amount about the Bruins, who did have a, a bit of a soft slate. I, I'm curious if if that Vegas matches your numbers are on that or they're a little sideways. Uh, right now, we're looking at uh, UCLA by 4.3. Yeah. So Oh, close. interesting. So I would have thought Washington State. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically... I think it's kind of a last impressions thing. The you know UCLA having to play a freshman quarterback at uh, Utah and having him look very much like a freshman quarterback, like that kind of that was our last impression of them. They they might have one of the best. Like the, UCLA right now is second in points allowed per drive nationally. Um, they've been re- like they haven't UCLA is UCLA. They haven't given up more than fourteen points in a game yet. And and of course they played San Diego State and NC Central, but Coastal can still move the ball. They gave up thirteen to Coastal. Utah <laughs> can't move the ball. They gave up fourteen to Utah and seven of that was on defense. But um, yeah, like they, that's been one of the UCLA's defense has been one of the most unexpectedly awesome units. Uh, in the sport. Now, you could also say that Washington State's offense has taken a huge step forward this year, too. Uh, and so that's going to be a super interesting matchup just to see if one team has more of an advantage there than expected. I think Washington State isn't going to be able to p- run all that well, but they don't run. So that's fine. They, they'll be able to, they, they should be able to pass. Um, but yeah, the, on the other side, it's kind of more weakness versus weakness. UCLA's run game is still pretty good. Uh, Washington State's defense might not be in that way. So yeah, it's, it's, both of these teams have, have overachieved their preseason projections, but they've kind of done it in equal fashion. Therefore, you know, it ends up being about where the line is. All right. That makes sense. I appreciate you uh, appeasing my hijack here. <laughs> no, that's this is a this was a surprising week because I mean, any OU Texas week that always kind of drowns out everything else. Um, obviously, because of where I live, I knew LSU Missouri was going to be big, too. And of course, and I'm still mad at our bosses who made that who put that game on at the same time as OU Texas. But um, 
guess we can't do anything about that. I'm not mad at him, by the way. I just want to be clear about that. That's right. I, I <laughs> yeah, I, I, I retract my statement. I, but I mean, you've got Kentucky, Georgia. That's more interesting than we thought. Alabama, A and M, of course. But like Maryland, Ohio State. Ohio State stinks in the red zone on both sides of the ball. Maryland's good in the red zone on both sides of the ball. That could be interesting if, you know, if the whole September Maryland versus everything else Maryland isn't a thing anymore. Uh, Louisville, Notre Dame, Louisville is the most unstable high variance team in the country almost. And that's always fun. So there's, there's a lot going on. And, um, I, you know, obviously red river, that's one good thing about red river being early is we still have two other time slots to, to absorb lots and lots of, uh, potential chaos. All right. That's good. Well, I think that's a, uh, a good way to end this, uh, high variance, low output podcast, Bill. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate Dr. McGee for, uh, for, for joining us. And um, we will see you on Friday with, uh, with our picks with uh, the great Stanford.